save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Hey everyone, it's Luke. I just wanted to let you all know that when we recorded this episode, the announcement had not yet been made that the Titans game on Sunday against the Steelers will definitely be postponed. So you'll hear us talking uh, as if we did not know that that was the case. However, I still think that you will find our analysis as to the cancellation of the game and all of the possibilities to be interesting and intriguing as always. Thank you as always for listening to our show. We appreciate your support very much, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. This is Rashawn Evans, and you're listening to the No Nonsense Podcast. Welcome into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100% free of all the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Horsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. We've got a big, big show for you today. Lots of lots of very good topics to hit on. The Titans are 3-0 and after another perhaps disappointing performance in some regard, but they won the game, and so we will recap the titans win over the vikings we're going to look ahead to the titans next opponent as things are currently scheduled the pittsburgh steelers on sunday at nissan stadium and oh yeah uh the big news titans are trailblazers guys the first nfl team with a coronavirus outbreak fun times really exciting times for for the franchise you know, we assumed this was going to happen at some point this season. You never assume and you never want it to be your team. But guess what? It's our team and it's happening. And I'm just glad the outbreak hasn't been more. We don't know yet. It could get worse. But if it's contained and, you know, everything goes as planned and the NFL's protocols actually go to work efficiently, uh, hopefully everything will be fine and the season will be fine. But definitely scary to wake up to this news today, and, and definitely not not an exciting way to to start off uh, a week in which we're playing probably uh, one of the more exciting games of the season. Yeah, we we know all the players who've or at least so far who've contracted it, so that's interesting. Uh, tomorrow we find out actually what the ramifications are if the tests come back and it looks like it's all fine then we'll see what happens next if not you know if we if there's more players with confirmed cases or whatever then we have to deal with that so hopefully we know the number and we can move on from here that's best case scenario but i mean right now it's just a waiting game until the numbers stop you know what 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 we've learned i think through this well well, let's just go through what we've learned some of the facts we know we know that three players and five coaches have tested positive for the coronavirus, That, according to several reports. Now, the Titans put three players on their COVID reserve list. Granted, we don't know for sure that these are the three. However, I took a logic class in high school, and... Uh, that part of my brain is telling me that these are the three that have it. So you got long snapper Bo Brinkley, d- uh, defensive lineman Daquan Jones, and then a practice squad tight end whose name is eluding me right now. Does anyone remember what this guy's name Tommy is? Hudson. Tommy Hudson. Tommy Hudson. Yeah, Tommy. Thank you. So let's start with that, and then we'll move into doomsday scenarios and how long this is going to take and all that. 
I think that, and we were joking around earlier this afternoon, it's like, if you could pick any three players for it to be, which three would you pick? But, but in all seriousness, if this ends up being all it is, and obviously it's terrible that these guys got sick, but from a football standpoint, objectively speaking, this is sort of maybe not best-case scenario for the Titans, but they're not going to die because they don't have their long snapper in Daquan Jones if that's all they lose. Yeah, I mean, we're trying to approach this in the most, like, nice way. Not yeah. not trying to say it's it's good that these are the guys that got it. But, yeah, I mean, I, I remember I messaged you guys and I was like, as long as it's not Tannehill or Henry, I think I'll be okay. And then you guys chimed in with a couple more names and then I kind of changed my tune a little bit. But, thankfully, it was none of the guys that we were really – concerned about getting it and that would really make this make the Steelers game a tough situation if uh, if this game even happens so uh, I think the Titans probably got off easy if this is if these are the only players that got it although Daquan Jones being out is kind of that's kind of a big blow like, like he's a starter he plays more than 50 percent of the snaps but I think they can re- replace him uh, and then the other two aren't. I mean, the long slap, the long snapper is important, but how how hard can it be to snap? He also had a couple of bad snaps in week one, from what I remember. So probably not losing a lot there. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not breaking any new ground here. It it would suck to have Jones out, and I mean, obviously that's going to be the case. So that's bad. Other than that, like you know if the Titans have to get more aggressive on fourth and ones or fourth and threes or whatever they're in because they don't trust their long snapper, so be it. That's probably a net good thing. Um, But I mean, other than that, if you have to have a guy long snap four times a game, I mean, that's probably not enough where you're going to get in trouble. And if it is, you know, that's brutal, but you know, there's worse places to be hurt. So, I mean, I think you kind of nailed it. Like, we, we kind of know what those guys are. So it's not like you have to replace. I, I, I don't want to say Jadavian Clowney because that's such an extreme example. Let's say Jayon Brown, like somebody who's an athletic linebacker who can do a bunch of different things for you theoretically and who like knows the defense. You know, it's just you're just losing a guy who I think played 60 percent of the snaps and who's predominantly a run stopper. Um, so I don't know, like it's hard, like separating the player from the person and that's what we're trying to do here. So I I don't want us to sound unsympathetic that they have this because all of them have families and they all have, you know, things going on at home, but like just in terms of what they bring to the Titans football team in this specific week, it it could have been a lot worse for the football team. Yeah. And I totally agree on the point. We're not trying to be unsympathetic. We're not sitting here saying, well, we're glad it was them, but just objectively speaking, if, again, if those are the three players that get lost, you could do worse than it being those three. Now, to get into uh, details with all of this, ESPN posted a fantastic article. If you have not seen this, uh, I don't actually think I retweeted it, but I'll, re- I'll retweet it, and we'll retweet it from No Nonsense at No Nonsense Pod on Twitter so you can go see this article. And it sort of goes step-by-step through basically an FAQ for NFL coronavirus response. And it talks about all the steps that are coming up. Because I think all of our immediate questions was, what happens to the game? Because we already know they're not practicing this week. At the very earliest, the facility will open back up on Saturday, and uh, they won't practice uh, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. They are they are still going to have media availabilities over Zoom, so we'll still hear from Vrabel and, uh, and Tannehill and Kevin Byard on Wednesday. So, again, the question remains, do they play? And the protocol seems to be that within five to seven days, you know whether someone has the virus based on a test. That's that's what seems to be the consensus, is that if anybody else on the Titans got it from the eight that we know right now have it, it would take five to seven days from that initial contact 
for that to show up on a test. So five days from yesterday, Monday, Tuesday one, Wednesday two, Thursday four, you're looking at Saturday as the fifth day. That's why they're talking about opening back up on Saturday. Um, and then, of course, the question remains, will the game get played? There have been somewhat of conflicting reports on that. The most recent from Adam Schefter saying the NFL is pretty determined to, barring a mass exodus of Titans players because of the virus, uh, they're pretty committed to playing this game, even if they have to turn it into a pseudo-Monday night football. So kind of a lot there, and there's a lot to take in with this. I, I think it took me an hour before I just w- wasn't confused after all of this came out. So in terms of the response and, and the future, guys, what do we think? That was a lot of information to wrap my head around. But the, now I actually learned a little bit there because I, I was confused by this this whole testing positive situation like – did they contract this during the game if they tested positive today? But with that five to seven uh, day tidbit, that means that they probably got it sometime at the end of last week, right? So that that makes a lot more sense because they're getting tested daily, and I would assume they would have tested positive before the game if that's the time they had it. But you know, it makes things a little um I, I don't know just 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 tough to to like actually wrap your head around it i don't i don't know i feel like they're gonna try to get this game in on sunday i i don't know if they'll be able to i think so i feel like the nfl is just gonna try to jam it in uh i would love for us to get a monday night game that'd be really cool to get another primetime game where we weren't supposed to but i don't see how that's possible really i don't think I don't think ESPN is going to want another game at the same time because they're playing in the same time zone, I think. I think Green Bay and, and Nashville are in the same time zone, so they can't play one of those games at well, 7 and a, another one at 10 like they did week one. Uh, they could play them at the same time, but I feel like they're just going to lose ratings if luck, they do that. Luckily right? for them, as we were talking about earlier, uh, you couldn't really get a better matchup than this in terms of just a yeah. if you're ESPN and you get this flute game. And it might honestly still go to CBS because they have the rights to it. Um, yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. They probably have the rights to it. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's a weird situation. But, I mean, me personally, I would like for it to be a Monday night game just so I could actually, you know, watch it comfortably uh, at my house, a primetime game, which, you know, I'm always for. I don't think uh, the Titans or I really don't think anybody involved wants it on Monday just because you've got to figure this is the Titans first game where they're allowing people in the stands. It was somewhat of a nightmare to get tickets as somebody who had to get tickets. Uh, And the resale market is like nosebleed seats are going for like $800, $900 a piece. Like, and when I say nosebleeds, I mean like the farthest seats away. So like, What's going to have to happen is those guys are going to want refunds. It's it's just going to be a nightmare. So I don't know. Like, I don't think the Titans want to postpone it. I don't think – and first of all, the Titans don't want it from a PR standpoint. Like, you don't want to be remembered as the first team who had to have a game postponed because of this. And, you know, you're already going to get the negative PR of being the first team that really had a spread in your club. So that's an issue. I don't think the Steelers want it changed because they're prepping for a Sunday like, – you know – Prepping is somewhat overrated because it's not it's not as stru- I mean it's it's pretty structured when it's Sunday to Sunday, but there's more leeway when it's uh, you know a, a Sunday to Monday or, or whatever. So I think they don't want it just because it'll mess up their schedule. Um, it won't like throw them completely off you know off kilter. But a lot of teams will practice later in the day if they're going to do a Monday night game. They try to get used to being acclimated to playing later in the day and. You know, not knowing that until, I don't know, maybe Wednesday or Thursday would throw the Steelers for a loop, too. So I assume they want to play it at the original time. I think the NFL wants it at the original time just because, like we've talked about, you know, there's so much problem with scheduling between who gets it. Is it CBS or is it ESPN? If it's ESPN, do they want to move the time? If they have to move the time, does that bump some other game off their schedule? Does it bump some programming off their schedule? It's just too many moving parts. So 
I think everybody involved is going to push as hard as they can for it to be at the normal schedule time, even if that's a competitive disadvantage for the Titans. And, you know, the NFL throughout all of this, ever since March, when, when the onset of the coronavirus happened, has just kind of kept trucking along. Now, they've done it safe, safely, and they've put in plenty of precautions, but the NFL has not rescheduled anything. The only thing that they've lost so far is the preseason. They did they did move training camp back a little bit, I guess. But but other than the preseason, nothing has been canceled or fundamentally altered in terms of something that fans participate in. And I think that they're committed to not letting that happen. And I, I don't know that I ever said this on the podcast. I'm, I'm going to write it to, on Wednesday when I write my column. But I've talked about this for a while, just to friends and, and things. The the advantage that the NFL has in this over the other sports leagues, because if you're a baseball fan, baseball, it wasn't really a disaster, but it was kind of all over the place this baseball season with cancellations and doubleheaders and, well, we're going to play a seven-inning game here so that we can, can get this in. And, up oh, this team tested positive. They're going to miss four games and have to make that up at this date. It was, it was kind of terrible. The NFL's advantage is just they only play once a week. You know, baseball, you get a positive test, you're screwed for the next four days. It's over for the next four or five days. The NFL, because you only play once a week, and I did I tweeted this this morning, because it only is once a week, you have time to get the results back, see where you are, and then pause and make an informed decision that hopefully, because you have that week to see, did this actually spread? Which in baseball didn't really happen. It would be, you know, the three or four guys would get it, and then that would be it. Uh, and then you keep playing once you've confirmed that it didn't spread. And so, obviously, you got to be safe. But I think there's enough window with what they're saying about this five to seven day thing. There's enough of a window where I think you can be safe. And so I think the NFL needs to safely take advantage of this advantage that they have. Yeah, when I was seeing all these doubleheaders uh, being scheduled, all these games being canceled in the MLB, it made me a little nervous for the NFL because my thought was that the NFL, you know, they don't have the advantage that baseball does in terms of being able to have a doubleheader. You know, if an entire if an entire game has to get canceled, when are you going to make it up? You know, because there's only one bye week. I guess adding another bye week would have given you that advantage, that flexibility, but they didn't, they didn't really have that at their disposal, and they didn't they didn't choose to use that. Uh, but like you said, they do have enough time. Like they have enough time to make this decision, and they have a couple days of leeway because if the game's not played Sunday, they could play it Monday. They could play it Tuesday because Tuesday to the following Sunday would be kind of the same as going from, you know, a Sunday game to a Thursday night football game, which, yeah, it sucks and it's a disadvantage, but teams have to do it. You know, they're used to playing a Sunday to Thursday night game and, you know, they've grown accustomed to it and that's what happens. If you don't follow the protocols, that's just what's going to happen, you know. Uh, unfortunately, the other team would get kind of screwed in this situation, even though they had done nothing wrong. But, I mean, this is a league, you know. You you, you do what you have to do. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I do think this game will get played at some point this week. And if it doesn't, um, I feel like the NFL just has enough protocols and uh, a logical contingency plan in place. There's no way they've sat during this pandemic for this long and didn't actually come up with the right solutions in case something like this happened. Yeah. And I agree. I think the game gets played this week and I get, uh, you know, I, like I said, I lean more towards Sunday. I just think that's what everybody involved wants to happen. And, you know, like you said, I just can't imagine them not having a plan in place for this specific situation. And somebody's talked about maybe switching testing to the faster 
slightly less accurate kind of test. I mean, I don't know that's necessarily something I would do. This seems to have worked. Let's play this out and see how it goes and then adjust moving forward. But, you know, none of the Vikings players have it as of now. It doesn't seem to have spread to the other team. Let's see how it plays out because, you know, for all the other games that have happened, I think it's, what, three weeks at 16 games a week. You know, so, I mean, that's what my math is, 54 games. So with 54 games already being played and this being the only situation, I would keep doing exactly what you're doing because it seems to be working outside of, you know, what looks like a coach bringing it into a an organization and then that happening. So I think we need to rely on the protocols they've already set. I think we'll see those in action. I wish it happened to somebody that wasn't the Titans first, but I think there's a plan in place and that's what they need to go with right now. So we'll, I mean, we'll just see. That's all we can say right now. Yeah, it, it certainly is going to be a lot of waiting and, and, and just seeing where all of this goes and how they handle it because this is, like you said, Will, the first time. And uh, and it'll be interesting. Personally, I, I tend to agree, Will. I think it's going to get played. I would kind of be shocked if it didn't. I think uh, if if they get to you know Friday – and we haven't heard of any more positive tests or anyone else being placed on the reserve list. Uh, I would think it'd be heading toward them playing the game anyway. One last topic on the virus before we get back to some actual football stuff. Um, you know, if the Titans do play this week against the Steelers, it would be presumably without practice. Maybe they get a walkthrough in, uh, but that would probably be it. I put on Twitter, I asked, do you think the NFL should say the Steelers can't practice this week in the uh, with the goal of having more parity, more fairness, or is it a situation where this isn't the Steelers' fault that this has happened to the Titans? Why, why punish them for the Titans' fault? I tend to fall with the latter belief. Why punish the Steelers for something that's the Titans' fault? But at the same time, you know, some people I've seen argue, well, it might not really be anyone's fault because the way this virus works, especially when you're in the NFL, you can kind of do everything right and still, uh, you know, get it. And so I think it's interesting. What do you guys think about this? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I can't say for sure that the Titans players and coaches didn't follow the protocols. We we really have no idea. Like, they could have... At least the player, the players could have gotten this in Minnesota for all we know, you know, at the hotel or something like that. We don't have the details. We don't know. I don't know if we will ever know exactly how uh, each of these coaches and each of these players actually got the virus. All that said, the Steelers should not get penalized for for this because it just didn't happen to them. So they should be able to go on as as it, go on in practice as normal. I, I don't think – I also don't know if there's that much of a competitive advantage to, to practicing. Uh, I mean, maybe someone else can, can speak more on this. I, mean, I don't that's, know – That's kind of where I stand. I don't – like, I know you go through walkthroughs and you game plan a lot uh, with, like, mimicking the other offenses and defenses in practice. But you're not really going full speed. I, I mean, how many padded practices are, are, are in a given week? Probably not that much anymore since – since they changed those those rules, most of it is just walkthrough and game planning, which I feel like is something you could do uh, through Zoom. Honestly, like I don't think it's that that big of a disadvantage. Yeah, it, it's not ideal, and a lot these teams are and these players are very used to going through a full week of practice and and getting ready for a game. But I just don't know if, if it makes that much of a difference. Let's see if Will if Will feels the same way. Well, I think there's something to be said about actually running through it with, you know, actual contact, but not not really against the Steelers. Like more so if you had to go against, up against a team like the Ravens, who do a lot of read options. You know, people that do things that are drastically different than what you just saw. Like I don't think the Steelers are that. So. I mean, if it's going to be, you know, if it's going to be a week where you have to deal with that, this is a good week in terms of stylistically playing somebody. But back to the bigger question, you know, no, like it's not like if 
let's say that Pittsburgh experienced a flood and they couldn't get in their facilities. Well, then would the Titans not practice that day just because the Steelers couldn't get in? No. Like, I mean, we've seen that before. Like, everybody practices as much as they can. The Titans can't because of the COVID restrictions, and that's just the way it goes. And that seems to be the sentiment of most people who responded to my tweet. You know, uh, Jamal at Jamalism said, it's an easy answer. Each team does what it can and tough nuts for the Titans. Um, and, and that's what a lot of people seem to be thinking. That's what I tend to agree with. I'm never a fan of, you know, punish the masses for the sins of one. You know, I was always the goody two-shoes in kindergarten and would get mad when I'd, like, you know, have to miss recess because Jimmy couldn't stop talking during class or something. And I think this is sort of akin to that. Like, again, the Steers didn't do anything. Um Let's talk about football, guys. The Titans won their third game of the season against the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday in a win that did not come easily. Both sides of the ball were kind of all over the place. Uh, I think that phrase, all over the place, may be uh, being a bit kind for the defense's performance, the secondary and run, I, you know, that's kind of just the whole defense. I said the secondary and the run defense. That's everyone, right? Everything stunk on defense. So <laughs> let, let's just focus on that because I think on the offensive side, about all we would say is, you know, Derrick Henry looked better, right? Uh, Tannehill looked okay, made some mistakes. This defense is – this is such a terrible word to use. But it's, it's, it's so unanalytical. This defense is garbage, or at least they're That's what playing I was like say. garbage. I was going to chime in with that Analy- exact. Analytics would back that up. Yeah, it's so bad. Um, you go ahead, Matias. I'm going to pull up Dalvin Cook's rushing stats just so that I can oh. just so that I can read them. And again, we don't do fake stats on the No Nonsense podcast. We're just going to give you yards and yards per carry. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what what more I could add to that. Really, uh, analytics have been thrown out the window. This this defense stinks. They can't cover. They can't uh, play the run. They do get a little bit of pressure, which is actually nice to see because they they, they didn't do that for a, a lot of last season. Uh, it feels like they've been getting a lot more pressure this season than last. But that doesn't matter when your cornerbacks can't cover anyone. Well, you so, should be getting pressure. You got three first-round draft picks out there on third down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I just, I don't know. It, not only are we struggling in terms of, like, the cornerbacks and, and just the secondary in general playing poorly, the scheme looks, I don't know what it's doing. I, I don't see anyone in the right position ever. Uh, on a lot of these passing plays, uh, on run defense, the linebackers are, are, I don't know what's wrong with their run fits. They are attacking the wrong gaps, it seems, all the time. Uh, Rashawn Evans is consistently this season, which is not something uh, we've been used to, and, and it's really concerning because the Titans have had one of the best run defenses in the NFL over the past, what, like two to three years? Teams would never run on them. It would usually be through the air, and now it's both and it's not like they're going through injuries like the the defensive line isn't injured the secondary uh, not the secondary sorry the linebackers aren't injured uh yeah adore jackson is injured but it's not like this team is crippled by 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 losses on, on that side of the ball it's just it seems to be bad coaching and also bad play from a lot of these players and i don't know how it gets fixed you yeah, ready for I mean, you ready a, for these Dalvin Cook old fashioned oh yeah. stats? Yeah, go ahead and use those. Twenty two carries, 100, 181 yards, <laughs> eight point two yards a pop. Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, and, and, and it, and looked it looked worse. Like it. This isn't one of those yeah. stats where you watch the game and at the end you're like, oh, it was that bad. Like that's kind of better than it looked. It looked like every time Kirk Cousins gave him the ball, he just had this gaping hole, either, you know, a gaping gap to run into, that guard, or the outside linebackers were totally manhandled, and he just walked to the sideline and, and, and got got the edge. I mean, it was, it was, I couldn't believe it. 
it, it was terrible. Well, it, it was like the old bad two and fourteen Titans, like that level. Yeah, I mean, it like you know you've already said it's garbage. Like that, that's kind of what it was. Like there were a lot of times where. I think Vrabel talked about it where it was like we had double-digit missed tackles. There were a lot of times when guys weren't in position to make a tackle. Like, they just weren't there. And I, I don't really know whose fault that is. Like, I know some of it's on the coaching because the coaching has been bad. Like, that's very clear. On the rare occasions where other teams are on third down, they're the Titans are pretty passive. And I saw a stat today that said that they were like sixth in blitz percentage, which just can't be right. Like, that mu- I, that must mean something different because that's not really what the Titans are like. They've gotten to a point where they use I don't know if I think it's an overfront where they have five guys uh, lined up edge edge three defensive linemen and they have them all come at the same time. But that's not really a blitz. Like when I think of blitz, I think of somebody coming from the second level and not somebody who declares their gap before the snap because that doesn't really help you unless it's like a run blitz and then it kind of helps. But uh, too many times it's just four guys rushing for three steps and then completely stopping. And then it's one of your edges, mainly Harold Landry dropping into the flats and playing coverage. Like, and then you have five guys back up to the sticks and you're just praying that the other team makes a mistake. And that's not what, a defensive coach should be calling. That's what an offensive coach calls because he trusts his offense. It's not what a defense co- defensive coach calls because he trusts his defense. Like it's just, I don't know. It, it's rough to say it's embarrassing because it is embarrassing, but you don't want to say that for, you know, the Titans who are only playing like their coach to play, but the play calling has been incredibly passive in key moments. And it, it always has been, but with Pease and with LeBeau, it was always, we're going to be really good at stopping the run, and then we're going to make it difficult for you by confusing you with our coverages on third down. And now it's, we're going to make it very easy for you to run, and if you mess up twice and get into third down, we'll make it even easier for you to pass. And, it, I mean, it's just, it's losing defense. So even if Adore Jackson comes back, at this point, this is the nightmare we had when Vrabel elected himself defensive coordinator is that he would still not know how to run a defense and that it would show, but there's nobody to blame for it. So, I mean, we're right where we thought we'd be. It's terrible. You hope they hire Wade Wade Phillips next year or somebody who knows how to call a defense. But until then, you know, this is just going to be a pretty, you know, bad to maybe on a good day average defense. Do they miss Logan Ryan? No, they miss Dean Pease. I was about to say. I think they miss Pease more than Logan Ryan right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, they didn't even have the new defensive coordinator on uh, on Sunday because Shane Bowen didn't travel with them. They didn't have the fake defensive coordinator. They had their, they had their actual defensive coordinator, which is Mike Rabel. Oh, my goodness. Who's calling plays, man? Shane <laughs> Bowen. Well, that. so Mike Vrabel said Shane Bowen is the one who reads the play into the headset and into Rashawn Evans' helmet. So, so I, mean, I, I don't know if he's the one scheming things that is, up. That is, not the same, that is not the same thing. That's like saying I'm the one who read that book out loud. It's like, okay, but <laughs> – you wrote the words on the page. I'm just reading them to the to the other people, right? And it's like, oh, yeah, but you're the defensive coordinator. Like, you're calling the plays. It's like, okay, but I'm going to tell you what to do. It. You'll tell them. And that's I mean, exactly I could what probably do that job. Not, not you to could. You know, limit Shane Bowen's effectiveness because I think he probably is very important to them. Vrabel said that over and over again. But, like, if all he's doing is just reading, I mean, Terry Robisky read off his Waffle House menu when he was in the, the press box. Well, a Waffle House menu would have right. more or have better defensive play calls than what we're doing now. So maybe they should switch to that. I feel like it's it's beyond the play calls, though. I feel like they're poorly coached. Well, like, well yeah, I, I think Paul Koharski had a good tweet. He said, is it the scheme that's telling them to get manhandled up front and, like, not wrap up? 
yeah, like, I don't know. I, I don't know. This seems more like a coaching thing than, although the play calls have been bad. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not letting them off the hook, but I, I don't know. I don't know. It seems like everything is going wrong, and I just, I don't see an end in sight. I, I really don't. It's very easy to convert third downs when you play passive third down defense, and that's what the Titans have done. So even if they're fundamentally doing the right things on first and second down, your defense is always going to look bad if you're letting other teams convert at like a league high rate, which I want to say they were. I want to say they were like 31st in third down defense through the first two games, and I can't imagine it got better last week. So, you know, the the problem really isn't the tackling and it being manhandled up front. The problem is that you do stop them and you get them in positions like you did last year where you get them into third and seven or you get them in third and six and they throw it and your guys back up whatever the yardage needed is plus one yard and then they just throw hooks. And then if for some reason you're not running that intermediate zone defense, they just hit somebody else because you're too afraid to send pressure because you don't trust your defensive backs. So, you know, it, it, chicken and egg kind of thing. Like if the players were playing better, then everything works on paper and it doesn't matter what you call. But at the same time, if your play calls better, it doesn't put as much stress on the players to be perfect or to exceed your play call. And right now the Titans players are not able to exceed the play call. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that analysis. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we've got two more topics to hit before Stop the Nonsense. We're going to preview the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're going to pretend like that game's definitely going to happen, uh, just like the Titans will. And we're also going to briefly hit on uh, Vic Beasley's introductory press conference. It finally happened, and it was more bizarre than any of us could possibly have imagined. So stay tuned if you missed out on that. Or if you heard you know, what, what Vic Beasley had to say, stay tuned because we're going to break it down in 30 seconds. All right, we're back. We're going to talk about uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers before we get to Vic Beasley. Uh, guys, it's a good matchup. It's a very fun matchup, I think, the Titans and the Steelers. It's an old rivalry. It's one of those pseudo-rivalries like, you know, obviously your division teams are your real rivalries. But these are two teams whose fan bases – Historically, have not gotten along very well, and now uh, they're both very good at the same time. Both teams have their flaws. You know, Will, you were talking about how you think you've, you've seen some things you don't like on the Steelers, and we'll, we'll certainly hit on that, but we've seen things we don't really like about the Titans. However, they're both 3-0, they both finish, they're well coached, both have good quarterbacks, and both are going to be playoff teams in, in all likelihood. Uh, and so, as we think about this matchup, just generally speaking between these two teams, what comes to mind? What do you think maybe present the biggest challenges to the Titans this week? I think the Steelers' front seven is probably, you know, I don't know if it's a mismatch, but it's definitely something that could control this game because the Titans rely so heavily on Derrick Henry and the running game getting going. Uh, although a lot of the time play action doesn't really have much to do with how efficiently you're running the ball, but the Titans best course of offense is, is still through Henry and the, the Steelers have shown capable of really controlling the line of scrimmage. Uh, they have Tyson Alualu playing at a pro bowl level at 32 after he's done like essentially nothing his entire career, which is crazy. Uh, and then you add in Stefan to Cameron Hayward, uh, they have Devin Bush at linebacker, Bud Dupree on the edge, TJ Watt on the edge. They are just so stacked with talent, and when they're on their game, you cannot run the ball. You cannot run the ball more than one or two yards at a time. Uh, I remember watching week one against the Giants. Granted, we have a much better offensive line than the Giants. Uh, at one point, I think Saquon had like 15 carries for six yards or something like that it was absolutely insane and it just got me thinking like what are the titans going to be able to do against this team especially because we saw two weeks the the offensive line wasn't getting a lot of push uh they looked a lot better this week against the vikings who generally have a a good front seven but it's been a little subpar this season Uh, i think if the titans offensive line can can get some pushback on this 
on this scary front seven, the Titans will have a pretty good shot of of scoring points and uh, and keeping up with the Steelers' offense. Yeah, like to me, the big matchup is Watt against Dennis Kelly because that's usually where he lines up. Um, I mean, anytime you have a front with the guys that the Steelers do, you know, Bud Dupree and all that, I mean, it's hard to match up regardless on which side those guys line up. But having T.J. Watt against Dennis Kelly, not that Dennis Kelly's been bad because he's been really solid, but it just it terrifies you that their best guy doesn't go up against your best guy. So that's a problem. <laughs> the Broncos kind of ran it on the Steelers a little bit. Um, the Texans could not. They, I mean, and the Giants couldn't either. Like They got smashed. So were the Broncos just lucky? Were the Texans just terrible at offensive line, which kind of fits with what we know about the Texans? Like, I'm not sure, but I know the Titans are going to try to run it 25 times because they always do. It's just they're going to have to make guys like Bush and, you know, the defensive back pay for biting too much on the run game. So that that really, to me, is the defining matchup because I don't have any faith in the Titans' defense to stop anybody. So the Titans' offense has to find a way to put up 28 points at least. I The Broncos game was was kind of weird, man, because Locke got injured in that game and then Driscoll came in. And I know that's a downgrade, but the the Steelers went up 17 to three, I think, at halftime. And, you know, the Mike Tomlin teams, they love to just not play up to the competition and yeah. play down to the competition. So I think that was one of those games where they kind of were just like, all right, they're not going to do anything. Let's just try to run the clock out. And that's it. And play prevent defense stuff like that so i think that one wasn't really a true barometer of the steelers defense yeah and i think they i mean it's kind of evident by their stats but i think they want to rush the passer more than they want to stop the run so i feel like they commit early to stopping the run but no team has really been able to try to run the ball on them late like because they haven't been in a position because they just haven't you know they've been down double digit scores I wonder if they have to travel to Tennessee if you pound it 15 times in the first half and then 15 times in the second half if in the fourth quarter they're really going to be as raring to go and stop the run and not do the fun pass rush stuff. Because I, I think I think the Titans are just committed to running the ball until Derrick Henry gets 100 yards. Like I feel like that's <laughs> just going forward what they want to do. And if it takes 40 attempts, they're going to do 40 attempts. But – Maybe this week you get more Darrington Evans, which would be great. But either way, I think I think the Titans are going to run the ball. So it's just we're going to see whether they've got it or not. But I don't think any any team has been ad, as committed or as patient as the Titans will be. What do we think about Ben Roethlisberger, guys? Because he, he's come back this year after missing most of the 2019 season with an injury. From what I've seen, granted I have not watched any of their games from start to finish, from what I've seen, he looks good. I mean, I think, Will, you had a point, we were talking before the show, maybe he's lost a step, he's not the old Big Ben, but I mean, he has a Hall of Famer in his prime, and so to take a step back from that, still pretty good. And I think he's still making good throws, and like you also said, Will, he's not, you know, in Drew Brees, Philip Rivers territory. Yeah, I mean, he's not he's not bad. Like he tries to do that thing where he escapes a little bit and he didn't in the first week. It looked like he was trying to throw it away too quick against the Giants, but he kind of got hit a couple of times and got up and kind of got over that. But I mean, I don't know, like maybe it's because I'm so used to seeing him get hit, kind of roll around and stand up while he's got somebody around his ankles and throw the ball. Like I just don't think he's that kind of guy anymore. Um you know, that might be famous last words. Maybe he does that at the Titans this weekend. But I don't know. There, there seems to be an over-reliance on receivers to do things there, which has not been what they've done well in the past. Like, even with Antonio Brown and stuff, like, they've been a team that moves the ball really well through the air, but it's because Ben can attack every level of the, of the defense. I don't really know that he likes to do that as much now. I think they want to run the ball more and – Maybe that's just because I'm used to the last time I saw him, he passed it for 600 attempts or whatever back in 2018. So maybe that's what I'm comparing it to. But I, I just I don't get the sense that they want to be a team defined by how they pass the ball. 
And I also don't think their running backs are exceptionally good. So I think it puts Ben in weird positions. And so not that the Titans will be able to take advantage of that because they won't, but I think that is something to watch long-term. Yeah. So I think Ben looks, looks comfortable. He, he definitely looks healthy uh, after that elbow surgery that he had uh, the first half against the Giants. He looked, he looked toast. He looked like Drew Brees has this entire season, but he definitely seems to have gotten the arm strength back. He, he's a little bit more accurate since that first half against the Giants. And he really doesn't have to do too much because he has such a good wide receiver core. Uh, and they could just attack you in so many different ways. If Deontay, Deontay Johnson plays in this game, uh, he left the Texans game with a concussion early. I don't know if he's going to be active for this one. But if he is, I'm definitely going to be concerned because they're four deep at receiver and they can kill you in so many different ways because they have Juju who's, you know, a yak machine, so hard to tackle. He's essentially uh, like the same type of player that AJ Brown is. Then they hit you with Johnson who's so good in the intermediate intermediate area because he's a fantastic route runner. He could pretty much get open against anyone at will. And, and then they have James Washington and Chase Claypool who are different body types. But they're both deep threats who are so fast, and they can kill you through the air deep, but they can also kill you on a lot of these like drag routes where they just get the ball and they just start running. So I'm concerned, especially because the Titans haven't been able to stop anyone, uh, any wide receiver, and they they could also hit you with Ebron, who I know he drops a lot of passes, but he gets open, he he catches touchdowns. McDonald is also, you know, one of those guys who can break a lot of tackles. I'm just, I don't know. I feel like they can throw too many things at you as an offense, and the Titans defense hasn't proven to be able to stop anyone. So I don't know how, I don't know how they're going to hold the Steelers to, you know, under 30 unless Big Ben reverts back to the last few years, Ben, where he's throwing interceptions at will. But I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I don't want to talk too much more about all this just because we've talked a lot about the offense versus the Titans defense. But the one good thing to pick somebody who's playing the best in, in terms of our defensive backs right now, it would be Christian Fulton. So that'll definitely be a difficult test. But it is kind of their best player going against our de- best player in the defensive back secondary so I don't know like I I do like that matchup I'm interested in that but like I said they or like you said they don't really have to go there at all if they don't want to because they've got so many good weapons all right before we get to stop the nonsense let's talk about old Vic Beasley made his Titans debut I believe he got half a sack am I uh wrong or did he actually get half a sack I don't think he got oh. credited with it. I think he got a quarterback hit, but I'm not 100% okay. sure. Yeah, well, he, he got two pressures with nine uh, nine snaps. Yep. I think I read that stat. Oh, he played yeah, all right. Um, he was good. He but, was good. so, he had his first media appearance over Zoom, and he was asked, you know, where were you for those 10 days that you did not show up to training camp? And uh, part of his answer was this. I had some things I had to work out, some disagreements here and there, to which we all said, huh? And so then he was asked to elaborate or clarify, because we don't know what that means. And so he was quite literally asked, who was the disagreement with? Was it with the Titans, someone else? He said, quote, Don't want to go into too much detail. That may be confidential between me and the other party. So, the general consensus is that, oh, this must have been a disagreement with the Titans over something. Uh, What kind of a disagreement are you having three months after you signed your contract? I I, I don't... If it's with the Titans, I'm failing to see... I've never seen anything like that, if, if, if that's actually what happened. Uh, I, I don't think it is. Uh, what do we think? No idea. No idea what to think. This situation has been so weird. 
uh, from the start. Well, not from the start, but, you know, a couple of months after the start. And this guy just strikes me as very strange. And I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I'm glad he's playing for us, but what a weird start. to I, can't, I cannot remember a more strange start to a Titans career from any player uh, than this guy. Because he had the whole thing where he's not showing up, he's getting fined, no one knows where he is, he's not answering his phone. But the Titans keep saying, you know, we can't wait to get him in, we're just waiting. And then he finally shows up, then then he went on the reserve list, or was it the COVID list? I can't even remember. No, it was um, uh, the NFI list. Oh, was the NFI list. Yeah, yeah, so it wasn't even, we didn't even know why he was there. We didn't know if he was injured. We didn't know anything. It's so weird, but I'm glad that he's contributing. At least that's good. Yeah, like as the resident conspiracy theorist, I have no idea what he was talking about. Like I can't – like he didn't fire his agent, so it's not his agent. He showed up and played with the Titans, so it's not the Titans. I don't think there's any legal issues or else we would have heard about it and it wouldn't. It would have given the Titans – a an option to get out of that contract, like and possibly pick up a compensatory pick. So it, it does, I have no idea what he could possibly be talking about. So I'm not sure if he's just making it up. I'm not sure if he means something with like a landlord. Like, I mean, it, it could be a billion things and it could be serious or it could be nothing at all. So I truly have no idea what he was talking about and he could not have been more cryptic. And to be honest, like I could not care less about Vic Beasley at this point. Like I hope he does really well. Like he had a good game, good start. Like until he's in the rotation more than like a handful of snaps, and until there's some reason to either really like his play or really not like his play, like I just don't even think about him at this point. It is time for our favorite segment, and I agree, Will. Um, well, I don't know that I don't care about him at all at this point, but I, I do agree that. It's time to move on and just let him play football. I, I thought they should have cut him when all this was happening. They didn't. It's over. Time to move on. Okay. My stop the nonsense this week is this. Mark Mariani, uh, Titans fan favorite when he played, Pro Bowl kick returner for the Titans, currently does radio some in Nashville, real estate agent along with his wife. Never actually met him, but great dude from what I understand. However, he tweeted out during last week's edition of Thursday Night Football, in which the Miami Dolphins uh, put a thumping on the Jacksonville Jaguars, he said, Serious question. Is Ryan Fitzpatrick a Hall of Famer? Um, For sure, for sure, for sure. I mean, and we thought the is Julian Edelman a Hall of Famer conversation was dumb. And the thing that makes this so bad is, if I recall correctly, Mark's tweet about this is not the only one in that territory that I saw. Because I feel like every time Fitzpatrick plays well in primetime, people lose their minds because he has a beard and he went to Harvard. Like, Brian Fitzpatrick has had a, for the most part, Impressive NFL career. I'm not going to call it great. I'm not going to call it outstanding. But impressive. He's lasted a long time. He's done a lot of good for a lot of teams. But let's face it. When you play for, what, six or seven different teams in your NFL career, there's a reason that you got to play for six or seven NFL teams. But there's also a reason why you played for six or seven NFL teams. You know what I'm saying? You know, there's a reason he's lasted in the league this long, but there's also the re- a reason why he hasn't lasted on a single team other than the Buffalo Bills for more than a, a year or two. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a backup or bridge quarterback. It's what he's always been, and you know what? He's probably the best one there is. But backups and bridge quarterbacks do not go to the Hall of Fame. That was, in my estimation, a dumb tweet. And the 22% of voters who said yes... Um, that was a dumb choice as well. He's also, like, not that good. <laughs> like, his stats are not very Victoriously. good. Yeah. Like, he's mostly He probably has a one-to-one touchdown-to-interception ratio. Yeah, yeah. If, if there's in a, a Hall of Fame... In an era... Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
No, I was just going to say, like, in an era where it's so easy to throw for pass <laughs> touchdowns. Like, you know, I, like, I always clown. I know he, I think he passed away, so I don't really want to clown anyone that passed away. But Ken Stabler is in the Hall of Fame, and he had one of the worst touchdown-interception ratios I've ever seen. But that was a completely different era, so can't make that comparison. Fitzpatrick is, is, is not good. Like, he's fun. He's not good. Yeah, like, he is very fun to watch. Like, if there's a Hall of Fame for fun players that you wanted to watch on Thursday night but who you didn't want to play for your team, he would be top of the list because he's always a little bit insane. Like, you know he's smart, but then you see him just absolutely flexed out on the sideline with his beard and just, like, veins popping and him freaking out after he throws a touchdown, and you're like, yeah, I'm, I am – all in on this so i totally get being enthusiastic and especially when he's beating up a team like the jaguars like he's super sympathetic but that's just an insane thing to tweet yeah so uh i'm gonna go ahead with my stop the nonsense because it's a two-parter definitely a two-parter first of all autoplay ads i cannot do it anymore man every single time i go on cbssports.com or ESPN.com. ESPN Don't get me started on the Tennessean. We've talked about the Tennessean, but <laughs> ESPN. E- ESPN, I will be on the – first of all, it starts as soon as you as you enter, like, uh, a summary page of a game or whatever. Uh, and I'll be trying to talk to you guys, and I hear this voice in my head. I hear this sound in my head, and I'm like, God, what is that? So I turn it off, and then I'm still on the page. Five minutes later, it'll come back. Even though I paused it, it's the and worst. I'm sick of that, man. It is it is so so frustrating because I have to rush. Sometimes it, it happens while I'm in the middle of talking, and I absolutely lose my train of thought. So if it ever seems like I've gone off the rails, just just imagine that there's an autoplay ad running in the background. When I cover games, I leave the ESPN box score page open, yeah, uh, so that I can see the play by play. It's 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 terrible. It's so annoying. Every time it, it's it, an, and, and I I would way rather have like a pop up ad that you just have to click out of than the like you said, Matthias. You're you know talking with someone or just sitting there, and all of a sudden, have you ever tried Charmin Ultra Soft? Well, let <laughs> a, you know. Yeah, you can't you can't get rid of it. It's just embedded into the page. It just it is it's the worst. Um, so let, let me wrap up here uh, on my stop. This is a long one. But, but before we got on this pod, Bucky Brooks made a couple of tweets. And this, this he segment is just was so wrong. Uh, yeah, he has really yeah. bad takes, man. Really bad takes. So I think he wrote an article, I think, on the Cowboys page. I don't know. Apparently, he writes for them, maybe, as a side gig. I don't know. Uh, but he said that the Cowboys have to run the ball more. Because their defense is so bad, and if you run the ball, you control time of possession, and your defense isn't on the field as much, so they can't give up uh, more points. That's dumb, really dumb, especially because the Cowboys, well, Zeke in particular, he's averaging under four yards a carry uh, this uh, this season. He averaged 2.4 yards a carry in this, in this Seahawks game. Running the ball does, is not always conducive to to time of possession success you can run the ball three times in a row you might not get a first down then guess what you're punting the ball right back to the offense they're going down the field scoring and then you can run the ball again oh what happened you didn't score because running the ball isn't all that effective with a really bad o-line you have to punt the ball away they score again now what you're in a 14 point hole because you've decided to establish the run for absolutely no reason other than to kill clock time. So that really bothered me. I can't believe we're in 2020 and this type of thinking is is still prevalent, so prevalent in football media. Yeah, I mean, you shouldn't the the yet I don't know. This is hard because we're seeing an offense in Tennessee that I believe runs the ball in first down more than anybody else. I think we're at something like 70%. So that's a nightmare. But the idea should never be to run the ball first, um, just ever. So, I don't know. Bucky says a lot of things. If you wait a couple of weeks, we'll talk about how they need to pass it more. So, this too shall pass. Mine is against Mike Keith, who I've talked about before. 
uh, in these stop the nonsense segments just because he loves to pump other people up. And Coach Mack is guilty of that too. Listening to them talk about Minshew was a nightmare. I mean, you they won't give as much praise to Patrick Mahomes the next time they see him. So it, that's not it though. My problem is in the middle of watching the Titans defense just get absolutely beaten down. All they would talk about is how bad the Titans offense was. And it was such a strange, I don't know if manipulative is the right word, but it was a way to where I could tell they were saying these things and I don't know if they believed them or not, but the way they were saying them was if they were saying, don't get mad at Mike Vrabel because everything was just, well, the defense couldn't stop them there. Let's see if the offense can finally score. And the score is like nine to 14. And I'm like, yeah, but the Vikings have scored like two out of three times and they've scored touchdowns. Like the Titans are putting points on the board. They're just not finishing. Like they're still moving the ball. And yet this idea, they just kept saying it over and over and over. And it was just, it's this weird manipulation. And I I don't know if it's, because Mike Vrabel is a defensive coach and that's where they want to, you know, to, where they want to just say that the Titans are the best or whatever. But it, it was this crazy, I'm trying not to cuss, but it was this crazy, uh, I can't say the word. I mean, it's but like spin it, is kind of what this is. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just propaganda. Like, it's like, wow, what a great <laughs> defensive play. And it was like, it'll be like after a 12-yard pass for a first down. And it was like, ah, Mike Heath would be like, ah, just barely missed him there. All right, next play. And the Titans will get seven yards, and he'll be like, what went wrong with that play, coach? And he's like, well, they didn't hit this. Up. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, they got seven yards. Like, that's a positive play. So my stop the nonsense is when you listen to Titans radio, which I do every Titans game, I, I enjoy the product. But when you listen, you have to understand that when the other team is moving the ball at will against the Titans – it's not that there's some secret way that they're tricking the Titans defense and that they're always in good position. It's because there's bad play calling all around. And, and, if bad, the Titans and bad players, third, too. I mean, yeah, we haven't and, even and mentioned had, we never even mentioned Jonathan Joseph on this podcast. Uh, yeah, that, that'll have to be for another time. Uh, we don't have time for that. Not. Yeah, hope, hopefully we forget that, and it's not a big issue going forward once Adore gets back. But... Uh, yeah, I had to have this argument the other day, and this is why it's really on my mind with somebody who, despite the Titans getting 31 points, 31 points in the past decade, if they would have gotten 31 points, it would have been one of their best two performances of the year. But they got 31 points and won against the Vikings, and all I had to hear was how bad the Titans' offense was and how they weren't helping the defense. So please stop that nonsense. Before we go... A question that we sort of discussed earlier today, but let, let's do it officially. You know, the Titans have had the coronavirus. Hypothetically, now Matias can't say this because Matias has mighty jinx powers that we'll go into some other time. Yes. Um, but I will, not, ti- talk. I will the, not talk. If the Titans had a major outbreak and we're like, okay, uh, guys, Luke, Will, Matias, we need y'all to come fill in. What positions would we play? Because for me, I feel like, I was telling you guys earlier, I do two things athletically well. I can catch, I have really good hands, and I can throw if the ball is small enough. The problem is the NFL ball is too big. So I'm not going to be a quarterback. I'm also 5'8", so that also probably rules out quarterback. So I can either play safety or slot receiver. Those are kind of my positions. And I feel like I would die if I played slot receiver, so I'm going to go with safety. What about you guys? Yeah, I mean, I played receiver when I played football, so that's probably my best bet. But, man, you're right. If I came across the middle of the field and I got hit, I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm I mean, like 5'8", 160. You, I'm you, done. <laughs> you want a meeting with Minka Fitzpatrick this weekend? I can't yeah. imagine, like, Clowney hitting me or something. That'd be oh, my cool. God. It's Patrick and Devin Bush just, like, collapsing you over the middle of the field. Oh, my God. <laughs> James Harrison style. Uh, I would be a long snapper, and that's the easiest decision ever because you legally can't Great hit a long choice. snapper. 
So even if I'm terrible, at least I'm not going to have pain after some. Like, all right, here you go. Bo Brinkley, like, like a yelling out Kobe. Like, and I'm just like long snapping the ball. Like, uh, I feel like, plus, like I, could I, you just like stand like uh, parallel to the ball and just like kind of throw it back to him underhanded? Uh, yes, you can actually, but it's not as effective as you would want it to be. So it would be really <laughs> slow unless you just got a rocket arm. Like, but uh, it would be too slow, and you would get current absolutely obliterated. I remember Pat McAfee talking about when he went to the Senior Bowl or Shrine Game or one of those things. Whoever they had long snapping was like too hard, and so like the whoever was holding was just like dropping every single one of them or they would like hit him in the face because like apparently that guy never made it to the nfl because his snaps were too hard speaking of pat mcafee did you guys see the clip with rogers from his show today where uh pat pat mcafee he cited pff saying that rogers had not been sacked any times this year and rogers was like i've been sacked two times and then McAfee was like, oh, well, PFF had you a zero. And then Rodgers was like, oh, PFF, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> everyone, everyone is just like, man, they suck. Breaking top five NFL quarterback thinks PFF is bogus. Yeah. It, it shouldn't have taken a future Hall of Famer for us to figure that out. All right, that's going to do it for this week's show. Uh, For Matias and Will, I'm Luke reminding you and everyone in the sports world to stop the nonsense and for the Titans to um, not have any more positive tests. I think that would be good for everyone. We'll see you all next time.